welcome to season three of the Thrills and Chills broadcast brought to you by Sharebird and Clue. This is a show all about establishing product marketing and being the first product marketer. I'm your host, J.D. Prater. And we've got a great season lined up for you. And today we're kicking it off with April Rasa. She's the VP of Product Marketing at HackerOne. But before we check in with her, I want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. April, thanks for coming on the show. I'm looking at your Twitter bio here and it says, marketer, avid cyclist, runner, idealist, traveler, and lover of poetry and books. For me, the thing that sticks out is avid cyclist. Let's start there. Talk to me about being a cyclist and a runner. Oh man, I, um, JD, first of all, it's great to see you and great to be here. A few years ago, I used to run a lot of marathons when I used to live in Chicago and then moved to, to California. And then it was part of the aging process. It's tough on the body. Uh, and so I got hooked on cycling. And so I do a lot of cycling now. I've got probably a couple centuries under my belt. It's a really good way for me to meditate, to be honest with you. It's probably not the safest because I put on the headphones and I just <laughs> zoom out and, you know, start cycling, but I love it. I'm addicted to it. Same. I'm also an avid cyclist, so I love being able to connect with other cyclists and especially ones that kind of like really get it. Like centuries. I mean, for those listening, she's talking a hundred mile bicycle ride, right? Typically done within a day. Some are supported, some are non-supported, but that's still riding a hundred miles in a day. Like you got to have some pretty good endurance and some pretty good fitness to be able to complete that, at least complete it, being able to stand. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And we could all use it now because, you know, COVID was rough. We're all sitting at our desk, yes. you know, so <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I think about a lot of things probably for you too, is, you know, you think about numbers, you're thinking about strategy, like all these things are going through your head, even as a cyclist, right? I'm like watching my calories. I'm watching my heart rate. Mm -hmm. You know, you're kind of watching mm -hmm. maybe your power output if you're monitoring all of that, but it's kind of a lot about this prepping, right? And you're thinking I could almost apply it to like a go-to-market strategy right? I need to get ready for this hundred mile ride that's coming up. And so that's how I've always kind of thought about it. Do you think sports, do you think running and cycling has helped prepare you as a product marketer? Oh God. Yes, for sure. Talk about endurance. You got to have endurance. It's a mind game because you might have obstacles as you're kind of going through maybe launching a product and there might be some tension around like, are we going to actually have something to deliver and all that. So it definitely helps you to not only strengthen the body, but the mind as well. For 100%, sure. hundred percent. That grit, that perseverance. The grit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, let's talk about Packer One. So you are the Senior Director of Product Marketing, Content, and Communications. Super exciting. A lot of people that we've had on so far are really focused on just product marketing. And so I'm also curious too, talk to me about owning those three things, right? Because sometimes those are different heads or different directors and how you got to own kind of all that content, but also those comms, the messaging, the storytelling. 
Yeah, totally. It wasn't by raising my hand. I'll tell you that it was uh, <laughs> when I joined Hacker One. I really, first of all, I love the mission of the company. I love the people that I work with and was really sort of leading the product marketing organization there. And then quickly we had our head of corporate communications decide to go elsewhere and pursue other interests. And so having just with my background, having done communications as well as content, I inherited the team. And so it's sort of on an interim basis right now, although it's been a little more than interim, but I've been running it. I think it's a great lens in terms of what's resonating with different constituents in the marketplace around your messaging. You get really good visibility around the type of messaging that you can kind of play around with. So I think that's really helped me. And then being able to have a pulse on the content, both from the entire funnel, as far as, you know, from top of the funnel, all the way to when we actually land customers, what's working and what isn't working. I think it's great. And I would highly recommend any product marketer that's listening to really touch, to really have insights as far as the data and sort of what's moving the needle from a content perspective. It helps you in your output. Yeah, I like that. Like one, I would love to see more product marketers, especially at your level, be able to own content, right? I think that's really cool. And when you think about the comms perspective, being able to kind of own like brand comms, kind of mm -hmm. that internal, external side of things, yeah. that's uh, man, like all those stories, you're weaving all these narratives together and making sure all the messaging is kind of all put together. But I think that's really cool. Let's back up a little bit. What is Hacker One? I mean, outside of being like one of the coolest names I've ever heard of for a company, but <laughs> Like, talk to me about the company and really like what drew you there. You've been there a year and a half now. So what That's has right. that been like? Yeah. What drew me there was really the mission of the company. So we hack companies for good. So think of this as like bringing the positive power of a community of a million or so of ethical hackers that kind of pool their defenses around data breaches. They help reduce cybercrime. They protect privacy and really restore that trust in the digital society. I felt like that really resonated with me at the macro level. So we ultimately run a marketplace. So we connect hackers with organizations, and then we help them look at their vulnerabilities and look at their security weaknesses and then help them take action on it. Yeah, that's wow. <laughs> that's really cool. I don't think I quite understood all of that. So that's like even better. But a question that I've had, and we I've heard this come up a few times from other PMMs is you were at previously Brightback. And so mm -hmm. Brightback, not necessarily cybersecurity, right? I mean, was thinking about like customer retention, subscription businesses, right? And being able to automate all these processes. That's right. And now going into cybersecurity. And so some PMMs have asked, like, how do you make that jump to a new new industry, a new market. Do you have any advice for those that are thinking through that and maybe would want to be able to do that themselves? Sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, this might be like an April, oh, she's a crazy one. Maybe not like replicate her, but <laughs> I get jazzed of learning new things. I think that's how I personally have grown throughout my career is kind of getting into new segments, new markets where I don't necessarily have the right core competencies in terms of domain expertise, but I have the skill sets of being able to move the needle for an organization to help them grow. So I guess my advice would be really obviously do your homework. What excites you about the 
the market that maybe you want to get into and understand sort of the why behind that. And then being able to kind of sell yourself as far as like, hey, I have the core skill sets. Maybe I don't have the domain expertise, but I can ramp up fairly quickly to be able to understand that. A true product marketing person will need to do that regardless of any market or segment, even the segment that you already know, you're still going to have to do a lot of work to really get good at it. So that would be my primary advice. I and mean, if you look at through my career, I've been in networking, I've been in cybersecurity, I've been in customer retention, I've been in Adobe, which has been sort of broader in terms of digital marketing. So kind of getting into markets that really help you personally grow is going to be an advantage to any company because they're looking to see, do you have the right mindset? Are you driven? Are you willing to give it all you got to kind of problem solve? And if you can show that, any company would love to have you. Yeah. I mean, you hear it time and time curiosity. It's this hunger. It's this like uh, lifelong learner, right? I think about these kind of like soft skills, but those are the things that are going to make you a really great product marketer, but also like probably a pretty good employee too. But I'm curious too, like for me, I don't know anything about cybersecurity. I think it's really cool. I just personally kind of like think it's cool, but how do you catch up? How do you get that domain expertise? Was that part of maybe your first 90 days? Did you have to kind of prove that out to the team or to the org? Yes, definitely. Uh, especially when you're going into an organization that is pretty nascent in terms of leveraging product marketing. It took a lot of hard work to prove that you can do the work, you can establish credibility and forge relationships across multiple teams. So the way I did it, I guess my first sort of 90 days, we subscribed to Gong. So I listened to a lot of Gong calls. If I could be on calls or shadow our sales team, I would be on those. I would listen in with our CS team to kind of understand sort of post-sale, what that process looks like. Unfortunately, I didn't sit in on support calls. I've done that in the past where my first week was literally just sitting in on support calls just to kind of get a sense of all the inquiries that are coming in. Highly recommend that for anyone kind of starting out. And then just Gartner and reading and talking to analysts and talking to industry experts, maybe not customers, but specifically following influencers on Twitter and asking them a lot of questions. So I was one of those, like, kind of went all in to really understand. And there's still a lot that I'm still learning, which is part of the thrill, kind of getting into something you don't really know much. You don't have much background in. Yeah. I mean, but I think those are all like, it's like a great way to like think through. It's a great framework for those that are listening, right? You're listening, right? I mean, this is, you're asking a ton of questions and you're going to those other stakeholders and those other teams that you're going to be working with the CS team, the sales team, you're getting their feedback, their buy-in, but you're also like listening to what problems they're hearing in the field, because that's going to help pitch deck that may help with messaging. Right. So it's also like this input to you and how you can help them. So I'm with you. I'm also a huge fan of trying to sit in on those calls. Uh, Good call out for Twitter. I'm an avid Twitter person as well, like love creeping on people, but I also just love listening to conversations on Twitter. You can really Mm -hmm. get into some really cool threads and I can only imagine like cybersecurity is probably some good stuff on there too. So yes, uh, good call outs there. Let's move forward, maybe thinking through first 90 days, but so a year and a half now, like what does that look like coming in? You mentioned that the product marketing was nascent. What does it look like now? And kind of like compared to where you started? Yeah, it's been a great journey. I've got a great team. The team is growing. I'm still looking for another head. So for those of you, reach out if you're interested. As a little plug. Sorry, JD. Oh, we can Um, do it. We'll write in the show notes. (laughs) 
We're awesome, going to put it right awesome. in there. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. The team is, is structured in a number of ways. One is really around our product SKUs and making sure that we have that PM, PMM sort of collaboration that's going on on product SKUs. We're building out our solution area. So I just hired a, a solution head to help us build out the solutions as we think about like integrations and technical technology ecosystems that we're kind of getting into sort of framing and packaging those. And then our team is responsible for pricing and packaging at Hacker One. So I just hired a, a director of pricing to help on that. So lots of great activities kind of going on. So both on the product side, as well as on the pricing side. And then all of us are responsible for go-to-market motions. I try to have a quarterly cadence in terms of launches. And so we have competitive, we've got go-to-market, we've got messaging frameworks. And so kind of leaning in into those areas. And then we don't have a regional or global PMM in our EMEA office, but we do support our EMEA office as well. So that's kind of a little bit of the framework and how the team is kind of set up today. Oh, wow, man. Talk about some growth. So how big is this product marketing team now? We have five people right now. That's yeah. great. Talk to me about getting that head count. So coming in, you're establishing that credibility, you're earning that trust, but now you're like, yeah. okay, I need to hire some people to help me out here. Was that tough? Was that difficult? Or did they understand the yeah. value? Yeah, I got to admit, I'm one of the lucky ones. The org and support from my CMO, as well as our CEO, definitely acknowledge that there's a gap and wanted to help support me in terms of building the headcount. So I know a lot of organizations, and I've been in a lot of organizations where you have to really make that business case to kind of get that headcount. And not to say that it was like a cakewalk, but it was really a lot easier here at HackerOne, just knowing that we wanted to build and bring in the right skill sets. And so that was great. Well, that's awesome. So coming in, it's establishing this function and really kind of bolstering up within the org. You've got hiring all of these new members and you're still hiring, which is fantastic, but it's still a startup. And so mm -hmm. my question is yeah. evaluating startups. I mean, you've been around long enough now. I'm really curious to know your framework for understanding what kind of company should you join or how do you think about joining a company, especially a startup? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say there are probably four areas that I kind of look at as I think about you know, how do you evaluate sort of the opportunity versus the risk and rewards. The first foremost is be selfish. And it's like you, <laughs> like, what does that personal growth kind of look like? Are you going to be pushed personally? Can you dive into areas that you're good at, but also make you feel uncomfortable? And are there opportunities for you to grow? So that would be probably the one area to kind of reconcile for yourself before anything else. The second is looking at the business model. And is there a clear business model? Do the unit economics really make sense here? Are there assumptions that have been made? How is the business doing from a revenue profitability perspective? You can get some of that data, obviously, from your interview process. You can do some due diligence behind the scenes. The third is sort of the market opportunity and sort of the market adoption risk. So are there kind of, what are the competitors in the marketplace? Are there multiple? Are there one? Are there two? What are the barriers to entry? kind of thinking through some of those pieces. And then as you're going through the interview process, like take a look at the sort of the execution. Does the team have the right skills and the passion to kind of reach their goals? Do you feel like you can work with the team that you interacted with through the process? Those are probably the four key areas that I typically look at. And those have proved right for me <laughs> in the future in, in the past as well. Oh, I love those four. Personal growth, am I going to get pushed? I love that you think about, am I going to be challenged? 
challenged? Am I going to be uncomfortable? Because a lot of times that's hard to optimize for, right? Being uncomfortable, but being comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Like it's this can be like this cognitive dissonance, right? Business model yeah. risk, understanding the unit economics, right? The market adoption risk. This is one of my favorites. I always love to ask that when I'm meeting with the startups or something is like, if you get to the founder interviews, I love asking mm -hmm. these type of questions to see if they've thought Same. through it as well. It's always fun to hear their answers too. And then the execution risk. I'm with you on that. I think those are really great ways to think about risk and think about the opportunity and the reward side of things. So Really cool. So Hacker One ticked off all those boxes. You've come in. They did. Yes. You uh, <laughs> have been able to establish the role. You've been able to then grow your team. I'm curious, what's next? Like a year's hard, I know, in startup land. So maybe what does three, six months look like for you? Yeah. I mean, I think we've got some lofty ambitions. First of all, like you see it in the headlines every day. There's new threats that are coming. There's new security implications that are impacting customers. And so how do we leverage this marketplace, this unique marketplace of really curious hackers that are out there that want to do good with companies that have limited resources, have maybe a skills gap or have issues around like just throwing a bunch of tools at a problem that typically doesn't work. So I think for us, it's like constant education in terms of how to kind of rethink the way you traditionally do things, right? That's a shift. And we continue to kind of educate the marketplace. It's sort of this rebuild, rethink sort of mentality. So I think that's one. And then the second piece is really around how do we disrupt a market? And so we're constantly kind of thinking through that at HackerOne, where we have this, again, like this unique marketplace or unique community, but then how do we disrupt things that maybe companies aren't really thinking about? So getting ahead of it. And if you think about like all the vulnerabilities that are out there, our hackers are kind of looking at fresh vulnerabilities and the data that comes through the pipes. There's a lot of interesting things that we can be thinking about from a product perspective. So those are the things that keep me really jazzed and excited about HackerOne and our companies that we're serving. And again, the mission that we're striving towards. Yeah. It sounds like a fun next three to six months, right? I think we all love trying to figure out these problems. Those are not easy. And you described them so eloquently and so succinctly, but I know that's <laughs> the answers behind those, I'm sure have like some strategy docs. I'm sure there's tons of meetings that go into that execution piece in which is- That's right. Uh, yes. Is, it can be fun getting lost in those details, right? Uh, <laughs> that's so. right. Exactly. So you're building out team. You've got a great strategy. I think it's pretty cool to understand some of these challenges that you face with building and growing a product marketing team and also a function. Do you have any advice out there for those that are coming in and maybe doing this for the first time and really trying to evaluate, do I want to go do this as a first, beat someone like the first PMM to establish product marketing? Yeah, I think just lessons learned throughout my career and not necessarily with HackerOne, but whenever you're kind of looking to see the function of product marketing within an organization, there's probably some key questions you should be asking to make sure that A, the org understands the role or has an inclination of how the role will interface with other functional teams. Because a lot of times if you have discussions and you learn the feedback is what is product marketing or tell me a little bit yes. about your role, might be a red flag or if there's opportunities where you can educate them and then they're amenable to that. So I guess my only sort of the TLDR on that is you have to make sure that there's a level of understanding on the role before you kind of jump in because 
it's a very unique, you're sort of at the nexus of all of these functional teams. And there's a lot of responsibilities that go with product marketing. So being very clear as far as like, what are your core initiatives that you're focused on? You can start to understand and peel the onion around like, are there other gaps in terms of understanding the role within an org? Yeah, it's truly one of those roles that looks different at every company. And then there's also a lot of assumptions about what you do and what you can do, or maybe even deliver, which other roles don't necessarily have, right? Like if you're in content marketing, we understand what you do. If you're in performance marketing, yeah, we understand. Demand gen, okay, yeah, right. Even on the other side, PM or an engineer, you know, right, sales, where this role It's so like even kind of nebulous. How do you think about that whenever you're thinking, man, I have to go in and do all this education. Does that like get you excited or does that Mm -hmm. kind of like wear you down? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. Previously in my past career, past jobs that I was at, it's tough. I got to be honest, right? A lot of times when you're going in and you have the same conversations around like, okay, what's the difference between product and product marketing and how do you work and what does that look like? But if you have that, you've built that relationship or that tight collaboration with the other counterparts in sales or product or CS, then I think it makes it a lot easier. And so that's why like forming those relationships and really sort of being clear on like, these are the swim lanes that we play in and educating the teams. One of the biggest mistakes I think I did earlier in my career was not doing that earlier. And so you go through the motion of maybe a product launch and there's a lot of sort of overlap on who's on point and who's doing what. And that's just like one example, but being very definitive as far as maybe do an AMA or do a lunch and learn where it's like, Hey, this is what product marketing is, or this is what my role is. This is what a day in the life looks like and really start to get people to understand the areas that you're focused on and the things that you're not focused on, right? There's a whole lot of stuff that we could be doing. And so this is what we're focused on. These are the things that we don't have resources or we're not going to be focused on. So bear with us until we grow the team and just communicating that to an org. Yeah. And that one's tough, right? Because here at AWS, you have a bunch of go-getters. you got a bunch of people that are just excited to do the work and you say, Hey, like I can't get to it. Right. We're short staff, bear with us. They're like, cool. I'm just going to do it. And you're like, no, (laughs) come back. Right. And that can be kind of frustrating at the same time. What I'm curious on is whenever you are saying no to certain things, or maybe let's say also letting certain fires burn as Mm -hmm. other PMMs on the show have talked about, how do you think about that prioritization? How do you think about what you're going to work on in the next like couple of months and kind of be defensible for your team? Yeah, I think it all goes back to whether or not your company has KPIs or corporate goals or OKRs map to those because those are really the needle movers for you. And if you can map to the needle movers, then that's how you're showing your validating your credibility, showing the fact that you're having an impact, direct impact on the business. Anything else that doesn't map to those big rocks, then should not be a priority. That's kind of a good rule to kind of guide your North Star. My North Star are these key things because it's going to drive the needle for the business and that's how I'm going to impact it. I love that. I'm 100% with you. Love rocks, OKRs, however you want to think through it. This is in the weeds, tactical. How do you go about tracking all of that? I'm curious. I've seen and heard different ways, but being able to kind of like show your work or show what you're going to work on has been advice other PMMs have said too. So are you pretty transparent on what your OKRs, those rocks are with the full org? 
We are. Yeah. First of all, like Hacker One by far is one of the most transparent companies I've worked at. We're also very Slack heavy as an organization. <laughs> yeah. We use a lot of like, we have a lot of Slack channels, but yeah, we're very transparent in terms of our OKRs. The company has mapped out the overall OKRs and then each functional team then maps to those. And so we have those available as a file that anyone within the company can look at. And then we've put in specific results and things that we want to really be able to impact as part of a core initiative that we're focused on or a key driver that we're focused on. So that's how we track it. And then we do readouts on a quarterly basis as far as are we on track or are we not on track or where do we need to maybe pivot to make sure that maybe the priorities are getting too much and we need to kind of limit those. That's kind of how we gauge those. Hi, I'm enjoying this conversation. You you can tell that you've done this and you've done this enough because you've got such a great framework and you make it sound so easy, right? Like the way I'm listening to this is like, even if I'm on the list, I'm like, I could definitely go in and establish product marketing. If I just listen to this episode with <laughs> April, right? So I'm really happy that we're having this conversation, but now I want to shift, right? This is thrills and chills. This is the fun stuff. This is the highs and the lows, right? So I think everything you've set up to this point on I'm with you hundred spot on. Give me some of those, the fun times, give me some of the bad times, give me those lows and those highs of your product marketing career. Oh, love it. Okay. So let's start with the good, the thrills. Uh, Let's start (laughs) with the thrills. So I get jazzed. I mean, this is going to sound corny, but I do get jazzed talking to customers directly and understanding things that really concern them and uh, being able to then like riff on ideas and ideation with our product team around like, Hey, there's a gap here. And like looking at like, how do we build that out? What does that look like? So seeking to really understand and listen rather than trying to convince customers. I love that aspect of it. I love the fact that you can look at markets and look at new market opportunities by just things that you hear through our sales or our SEs or our customer success and being able to kind of apply those to kind of define a, an ideal maybe segment or a new market. Those are the things that get me jazz. And then looking at the work, like being that quarterback to help the marketing team kind of run specific programs to drive growth. Those are all the things that I love, but really just focus on the customers. I love that. The lows, I would say we've all been there. And for those that are kind of starting out, I gave some guidance as far as like looking at product marketing and making sure that it's accepted or or it's understood within an organization or there's room for you to to kind of pivot and help people understand. But it's those where they think of product marketing as a very tactical, Mm. through a tactical lens, right? You are, you know, you can do slides or you can do your collateral junkies or those kinds of asks where it's very sort of tactical of, can you make the slide pretty or can you do a one pager without really understanding sort of the why behind the, the ask because there's only anyway you get sort of where I'm going with that I think the misalignment in terms of roles and responsibilities is a big one and I think the onus is on all of us to be able to educate and the things that you're doing JD in terms of getting folks that come on your podcast to talk about these things just further validate and strengthen that which I think is, is great and making sure that you build good relationships across the org I've only highlighted that maybe a million times on this, but it's so true. If you have strong advocates within the teams that you work with is really going to help you be a stronger product marketer. Yeah. Those are kind of my big ones. I want to dive into one of them and I know it was a low, so I'm sorry to pick on this one, (laughs) but the tactical product marketing That's a tough Mm. one because you may not have recognized it, right? Maybe during the interview process and you're coming in, you're just excited to come in and establish product marketing. 
what advice would you give to break that mold, break that way of thinking to where you can really showcase that you are the quarterback or that you can lead strategy? Sure. Yeah, you're right. It is a tough one and it's going to be more of a behavioral shift. So don't expect it to happen right away. You're going to need to kind of a establish that credibility, come to the table with like more of a broader strategic mind where you're asking questions rather than just reacting to things. So initially go with it. Like, okay, you want this, like ask questions. Who is it for? Who's the buyer? What's the pain? What are you hearing? Like all of those, like start to kind of get that. And then I think as you start to get into these conversations with your sales team or your SE teams or whatnot, that's where you can start to have more of the market in perspective of, hey, I'm hearing about this, or these are some of the key trends that are happening in the marketplace, right? This is the data. Start to look at your Salesforce data, start to aggregate What are the trends that you're starting to see? Start to do readouts with those folks so that they start to see what you can bring to the table. That's really critical, right? It's customer insights and data that's going to make you king or queen in your company. And so leverage those. Couldn't agree more. That would be my advice as well and stuff. That's almost the exact same playbook that I have done. Even when I was at Cora, I was the exact same way. You come in, we need decks, we need collateral, we need content, right? Because the sellers need to sell, whatever it may be. But you're like, wait, wait, but look what else I can do. Check this mm-hmm. out, right? And you come in with data because you're the only one yes. looking at it or you're the only one bringing these customer insights because they're not really even being aggregated, right? Even just aggregating them was a huge unlock for me. So fantastic. April, this has been a great episode. I've learned a ton. I can tell that you've done this and that you've made it a little less scary. So thank you for that. <laughs> Thanks, JD. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. And now a quick word from our partners at Clue. Stay in the know about your competitive landscape with Clue. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards delivered everywhere your sales reps live through integrations with Salesforce, Slack, Highspot, and many more. With Clue, you'll never let your sales team be blindsided by competitors again. Crush your competition with Clue. And we'll see you next Thursday. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have any feedback on our episodes, things you liked, things you want to hear, anything else, please email us at podcasts at sharebird.com. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I look forward to seeing you next week.